Welcome to the A Nourishing Place podcast. My name is Kelly Newton. I'm a self-love mindset and manifestation coach here to empower, motivate, create community, and remind you of how powerful you are. I will be bringing you interviews, tools, and resources all revolved around mindset, self-love, money, spirituality, manifestation, and so much more. I'm so excited that you're here today. Let's get started. Oh my goodness, such a great conversation I have with Elise Wells. Seriously amazing, and I'm so excited for you to jump in. We dive deep into some spiritual concepts like working with the Akashic Records, past lives, working with our spirit teams, reclaiming who we are, and so much more, while consistently connecting these things with intentional living. Elise Wells is a writer, a coach, co-hosts the Magic Kitchen podcast, and guides people in a variety of ways on their path to intentional living with a spiritual mindset. It was an absolute pleasure to have her on, and I'm so excited for you to hear all of the amazing bits and pieces from this episode. Let's jump in. Today, we have Elise Wells on the podcast. Thank you so, 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 so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Well, I just want to jump in to just let people know who you are. I know you've like pretty established podcast and do a lot of cool stuff. You're living in Greece. Tell us all the details. Yeah. So I co-host the Magic Kitchen podcast with Leandra Witchwood, and we started it during the pandemic as a way to sort of build community. And, you know, she did a lot of online workshops and with the podcast, we started to grow um, in that space. And then now as we're coming out of it, people are looking at ways to, I guess, I guess now what I'm doing is a little bit different, but also exactly the same thing. Like I'm helping people take these lessons that they learned in times of isolation and bringing it back into community. So what I do here in Greece is spiritual coaching. And I hesitate to label it even as spiritual coaching because so much of what I do is like basically path, path guiding. Like I help people on their path figure out what that even means for them. Um, And then, you know, what kind of inclinations do they have? What are they feeling like they're neglecting and like moving through that? So um, what I try to encourage people to do all and all so hard to do. Like I first started doing it before I had a term for it. Like the first thing I ever did to live intentionally was look at my Facebook friends list and decide, do I actually know these people? Are these people I want to get dinner with? Are these people that would care if something bad happened to me? And if the answer is no, I deleted them as a friend. And then I was like, well, why don't I apply this to other parts of my life? If the result that I'm going to get from doing this thing isn't the result that I want, why am I doing this thing? And that's it. That's what I've learned intentional living means is really doing what you decide you want. Like not in a hedonistic, you know, life is flowers and love only kind of way, but like knowing that (laughs) if there's a hardship at the other end of that, the hardship should really like should end up being something you enjoy. Like there needs to be a a light at the end. To be a lesson at least. Yeah, you might not have enjoyed struggling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like we have to do a lot of stuff we don't enjoy. Like, like we can't not go to the funeral for someone we loved because it's going to be a sad day. Like there's just so many things we have to go through, but you know, we do that as a testament to the person we loved, or if we have to go to the doctor's appointment, it's not because we love getting poked and prodded. It's because we want to make sure we're healthy. Like, (laughs) right. You know, like there's a lesson for sure. Yeah. Like there's a huge misconception between like intentional living is like blowing off the real world. 
and like it's actually acknowledging that it's the real world and being intentional like right. doing what's going to make sense for your path like where you want to go so that's what I'm doing and I'm and I'm building more community around that so like I have my Patreon community we've got courses online and honestly, Instagram, like that's how we connected. And I never in a million years would have said like Instagram (laughs) is a place for community, but it is like, I've met some of the best people just from Instagram. And it's been really nice to see, you know, what a little reel can help somebody realize about themselves. And actually your reels were a huge part of that. And I actually just remembered the first thing I ever commented on of yours, you were dancing on the porch and I commented (laughs) and I was like, it made, for some reason it like hit me. And I was like, this is what I'm missing. I was like, I dance alone in my kitchen, but there is something about dancing outside on a porch that like, I just realized I need to be doing that. Like I commented something like you've really inspired me to do this. And that was it. I just remembered it. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that too. And I, I mean, I dance everywhere. I dance in the grocery store. I think sometimes my family might be embarrassed because I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm getting it. You know, like (laughs) I can't stop myself and I've been doing that for years but I love dancing and it's funny because now I remember that because I was like I saw the sign about dancing in the kitchen for you yes exactly Um, (laughs) and it's funny how we can take like these people that we've never met in person and then I'm at a store and I'm reminded of you right it's just funny these connections but then I think about the spiritual aspect and I'm like well it makes sense or like we've probably been connected Mm -hmm. before or and now it's cool because it's easier to make these connections um, across the ocean. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I it, used to live on the East Coast and I had, you know, friends and connections and stuff. But it's so strange because now that I live in Greece, I've been meeting more people that were like in driving distance from me when I right? was, lived so in Baltimore. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful for the internet. <laughs> right. Me too. We've talked like about a little bit about community and all that. And I think that does tie into like intentional living too. Um, But I would love to talk about like intentional living and like what that looks like for you, because I think that can look, I mean, it looks and feels different for me probably than it looks like for you, you know? And I think it's interesting to get different perspectives on like how to bring that intentionality into our lives. So what does it look like for you? What does it feel like for you? So when I first heard this term intentional living, I Googled it and I looked for other accounts that were using that tag. And sometimes I felt like it was missing like a spiritual component. So what I call like my intentional living method is spirit first living. So it's intentional living with a spiritual mindset behind it. So for me, and I don't think you have to have any specific belief system for that to work. I think you can come from any religious or faith or you know, practice as individualized as possible. And that, that perspective can work. Um, like for me, like if I have a goal, I am working towards it in small steps, like everybody does, but I'm looking for guidance along that path from, you know, my deities or my spirit guides or, um, you know, signs from nature when I'm on my walk, like that keeps me focused and on my path and helps me decide what my intentions are. And I think without that component, you know, we're saying, okay, do only the things that you want the results from. Well, but how do you know what results you want? Like, how are you introspecting deep enough to really know that? Like, is that going to be a materialistic, I want a Porsche 5,000? I don't even know if that's a car, but let's pretend 
and that's a type of Porsche, like, you know, that's probably not going to motivate you as much as you think it will. And then that payoff is probably not going to feel as good as something that you fed with this deep soul yearning, like, you know, I want to connect, I, I want a hundred thousand people to, you know, read my book and message me over the course of my entire life. If I die and hundred thousand people have messaged me and said, you've helped me see myself better and live a happier life. Thank you. That's a hugely different payoff than I want to sell a hundred thousand books to make $1 million. Right. At you the same I mean? point though, like, I will, I do, but goal, I think that but... everyone's hearts, uh, desire different things so some people's hearts do desire that Porsche for whatever reason they're supposed to experience it in this life you know what I mean so it's like for yeah, me for me true. it's like if it's a heart's desire and I'm being spiritually guided sometimes I'm like I don't know why I mean I don't want a Porsche right now but I'm just saying like if I did be like oh my guys want me to have a Porsche that's really interesting I don't really know why I'm still gonna do that do you know what I mean like because mm, everyone's desire yeah. everyone's heart's yeah. desires are different and what they came here to experience like I totally get what you're saying um but at the same time, I'm always like, some people are really here to like do, are here to have more wealth, are here to like, that's their lesson in this life, you know? And so like that Porsche might be part of that experience. Um, not to call you out. It's just like a different perspective. Yeah. On it. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that actually, because like, it made me think of this movie that I saw a while ago. I think it was called Racing in the rain or something like that it was the guy with the dog and he was obsessed with ferraris and that was his calling was like ferraris like i want a ferrari i want to drive ferraris but in the end that calling is what led him to like learn how to love and that's like sounds so cliche and silly but like but yeah like i think you're right that we can have these callings that take us in a direction that might even be antithetical like if i got a calling tomorrow to buy a sports car that would right now to me be very antithetical to the way I live my life. But I can see that maybe if I am going to that dealership and doing that test drive, like that might be a situation that puts me in a place to get to my next step. Right. Exactly. It's like all different, the levels of everything and all the healing. <laughs> and yeah. so that's where nothing like, would surprise me anymore. <laughs> exactly. I know. And I love that you're talking about the spiritual piece to it because I mean, yeah, I'm with my spirit guides pretty consistently throughout the day really intuitively led and then also like going into my Akashic records and just really asking them like what is next or is this person am I supposed to work with this person as a client is you know like what questions should I ask in my podcast episode that kind of thing and getting that guidance from them which is really grounding in a sense because I don't feel like I'm alone (laughs) doing it all I said to my husband like sometimes I really wish I didn't own my own business and had someone working with me. And in the future, I know I'll have a team, but like right now it's me. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone anymore. I've got all these guidance and it really feels, it's so nourishing. It's so nice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point about like the whole, like being alone thing. Like I've thought a lot in the past few years of quarantine and COVID and about like solitude versus loneliness because we can have solitude and in a sense like never really get tired of that like solitude is something I've learned to really really truly enjoy but I used to always be afraid of being alone you know and then then and then you start to connect to these guides and there's been so many times where I've been doing something solo I'll say it that way I was definitely the only body (laughs) around me but (laughs) 
like, you know, I'm in a museum looking at a painting or something and I literally feel my spirit team, as some people would say, like enjoying that moment with me, like reminding me that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And I still would classify that as solitude, you know, I guess compared to anything else, but it's, it's like the warmest hug that you can expect from being alone. Like, it's amazing. It is. And it's funny because before I really connected with my spirit team, I remember like for years, I would be like, someone's watching me. And I'd always be kind of looking behind me, like freaked out a little bit. And then at one point I realized, Kelly, there is something behind you, but it's not bad. It's actually just hanging out with you. It's good. And I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of people are so afraid of that. Like you said, like something's watching me, like, like it's, it's, they're not watching us the way we would watch somebody, you know, like it's so different. And when I was a kid, actually, I didn't have these terms. Of course, I was like three, four years old. My, my spirit guide, but my main, like the person who's been guiding me all of my life was my imaginary friend. Like I thought that's what that was. Like I, when I heard about imaginary friends on TV shows, like I thought that's what that was. And in some ways that's like a really good way of looking at it is like, we have these friends in the sense that there are people that support us and cheer us on and want to see us succeed better than really more than anyone alive Mm -hmm. around us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there's no ulterior motives ever. There's no impatience. There's no limit. There's no time limit. There's no biological clocks. Like there's nothing at all to keep them from cheering one. Exactly. Exactly. And that I think is, is why that's so comforting. And then at the same time, we're our own best friend. Like no one ever is going to go through life with you, except for you at the end of the day, even your partner, like my husband and I have been together for eight years. I love him. I've gone through so many things, but he still doesn't know me as well as I know me. And that's normal. That's fine. Like I'm, I think that's really healthy to acknowledge that about ourselves. Like we're never alone if we're with ourselves because we have our team and we have ourselves. Like we're, we're awesome. Exactly. Exactly. And like, no one can meet our own needs. Like we can meet our own needs. And uh, even like, even in childhood, I mean, that's why like such tiny things can like cause a trauma or emotion in your body as a kid is because your parents literally can't meet all your needs. Like you can meet your own needs. Yeah. And that's so scary. And I think that, (laughs) honestly, that like realization that kids have sticks with us way longer than we think. Like we get our programming for who we are and what we're supposed to do in air quotes from such a young age. And then when we say, all right, yeah, literally. And like, when we say, okay, I'm going to start living intentionally. How do we, we have to deprogram all of that. (laughs) It's oh, yeah. So much work. Yep. You know, even still, I found myself, I moved to Greece, literally called here by my spirit guides. Like I'm, I'm half Greek. I have Greek citizenship, but I never even considered it an option to live here because of all the things society would say like, oh, there's no opportunity there. Oh, people don't live the life you're accustomed to as an American. Oh, there's really nothing exciting going on. Oh, your Greek isn't perfect. So you wouldn't really fit in. Like there was a million things that other people were telling me, but my spirit team were the ones who stepped up and were like, guess where you're going? Like they told me this in March of 2020, as all this was going on, they're like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, no, this is going to move on. And you're actually not even going to have to go back to that world that you were living in. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I just was trusting them. And I'm like, I don't understand how that's right. And then like by May, they were like, yeah, you're moving to Greece. I was like, excuse me. (laughs) And I trusted them and it's been like amazing. But yeah, there was a lot of deprogramming of like my whole life. I've been told I'm so lucky to be an American. I'm so lucky this, that, this. But at the end of the day, those were all false stories. All of them. Yep. Even though I was definitely lucky to be an American and I there's a lot of privilege to living here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I also wasn't cursed for being Greek, you know, like that was always like, you know, don't mention it. You're just American. Like that my parents would send me to school with that as an elementary school kid. Like, like just try to be American, like just fit in. Like I'll never send Greek food in your lunchbox. Don't worry about it. Like that's what a message, you know? And they were trying to limiting beliefs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I grew up as an expat. So I lived in the Middle East after that, like after I was 14. So I've always lived in like crazy weird places all over around the whole world. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that's partly why I was able to like not reject this call to move to Greece, even though I've never lived here as an adult. Like I was like, okay, maybe they know what they're talking about because they always have before. And that's, I, I know it's so interesting. I like, I was following my intuition, but not really thinking so much about that um, before I met my husband. And um, I was like, I'd tell people, oh, because I'd traveled a lot. And then I, they were, where are you going next? Oh, I don't know. I'm just waiting for the guidance, you know? And, and then I said, oh, I'm, I'm moving to Indiana. This was like 11, 12 years ago. People are like, India? And I'm like, no, Indiana. <laughs> and, um, we didn't, la- we did not live here that long. Um, at the time, like we immediately, I was like, I am a traveler. We got to travel. Um, but it's so funny because I said I would never live here again, um, several years ago. And then we we're living in Salt Lake, looking at houses just randomly, see our house in Indiana. And I was like, Oh no. I literally looked at my husband and I said, we're moving. So we're going to figure that out. And like, I didn't have a job as pandemic, still pandemic time. Yeah husband's barely working. I'm like, I do not care. Somehow we're buying this house and we're moving cross country with our two nephews, our cat, our fish. It's going to happen. And literally within five <laughs> weeks we moved in. And I was like, I, it, we, we like fathom how easy it was for us to buy a house, especially like with the real estate as it's gotten crazier and crazier. My husband's in oh, real yeah. estate. So it's like, we're like, how is this so easy? And I was like, it was so divinely guided that I just knew without a shadow of a doubt, we were going to live in this house and that we already lived there on, you know, in the timeline, that's not yep. real. We already lived in this house. And I was like, and this house is what helped me to heal. And so that's what I mean. Like for whatever reason, and I was like, Indiana, people were like, oh, you're going to move to Indiana. Oh, you're moving there without jobs. Oh, you're doing that. Like it's the same thing with you moving to Greece. But I feel like people, yep. I feel like at least in my life, if I, I kind of always been like the black sheep people call it or like that odd one out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, because I'm doing the things I want to do and people want that and they're afraid of that. They don't, they're, mm-hmm. cause they're not doing it. At least that's yes. what my spirit guys told me. <laughs> cause I was like, yep. why? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why is exactly. this a thing? <laughs> well, I was, I, I was filming a YouTube video like a month ago and Actually, I was preparing to film one and I was like, I don't know what to talk about. And I had this whole outline for something else. And (laughs) I'm sitting in front of my altar, like just doing my like kind of meditating, but not in like the official way, like just thinking together, like talking with my guides. And I'm like, what do you 
you know, do you think this is it? Like, it didn't feel right about this video. And they're like, you need to tell people that their ego is keeping them from traveling. And I was like, that is so harsh. I don't usually do videos that are like, hey, you're wrong. You know, like that's how it felt at first. And that was the message they said is like, your ego wants comfort. Familiar is comfortable. No matter how bad that familiar is, it might be a job, yep. you made, it might be a relationship that's toxic. That's what the ego prefers simply because it knows it. So like travel is only good for you. It's only good. Like even a terrible trip is still going to bring you growth. Like it will, but the ego is like, no, it's too new. You can't don't even, what are you doing? It's too dangerous. It's too scary. We're not going to be good enough. We're going to get stuck at a bus station. Yep. I mean, we, yep. we, it's so many of these fears, like even yeah. like when my worst possible fear has happened, you know, like my luggage never arrived. And so I had to buy new clothes and I only had a tiny backpack to keep everything in or like, it doesn't really matter. Like in the end, matter. those aren't even the memories that stick with me. Like I'm right? like, man, I came over that challenge. And then, you know, I went to London and saw Trafalgar square. Like that's what sticks with you. Like right. there's just so much that travel teaches you. And moving somewhere new is 10 times scarier than traveling somewhere new because it's like a complete shift. And yet when you have this like perfect love and perfect trust with your guides and your intentions that they help you decide on, like it's right. fine. It's so it's nice. It's always going to be fine. Well, I actually think, so how did you, I know you said you had like your <laughs> invisible friend, imaginary friend, but like, how did yeah. you actually start getting in touch with your guides? Because I think some people listening might be like, well, that's all great for them. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So huh, how did I start to really know? Like part of me feels like she just started telling me that, like using that terminology with me, because there was probably two years in college where I didn't have any, like I, I consciously rejected any physical manifestations of anything. Like I had decided I was a witch. I wanted that label, but I was afraid to tell anybody about it. But that two years, I had like nothing, no contact at all until it started getting like aggressive. Like I simply took out my tarot cards and I was getting like the devil card every time, like throw away the path you're on. You need to get back on the real path. Yep. Like that was death, the death, message death. I was getting <laughs> constantly. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like literally I was like, all right, I think you're right. I, I trust you. And then that was kind of where I started to get this terminology from the messages. Like I'm guiding you was how it started. And then as I've like grown and then later I joined a coven a couple of years after that. And I did some like trance journeying with them that, you know, like over time, like who my spirit guide actually is versus how she came to me as a child and at different phases of my life has become a lot clearer. And it's interesting because occasionally she'll still come to me as like the imaginary friend version of her that I was used to. But it's almost like that's the, I guess I could use like the analogy of like the triple goddess. Like that would be like the maiden form of her. And then her more, what she was like in life and how she sees herself is like the mother. And then there's like this crone aspect that I'm only getting introduced to as like, almost like this shadowy, formless being that is all the same person, the same entity, the same energy, but it's like how we use a certain tone with children, you know, there's like that layers to it. And then there's the, <laughs> the person who closes the door and says, Oh, I'm exhausted from a day of parenting, you know, like there's like those phases that we go through Interesting, yeah, as a yeah, yeah. 
as a leader of, of another person, because I've never been a parent, so I can't say that, but, you know, somebody who's babysat for extensive periods of time and taught children, like, there's these personas that we come to based on what the message is and how we can get get it through to them best. And I feel right. like that's what's going on a lot with, with my guys over the course. So right. I, I, if people are listening and they're like, huh, who? Right. I don't think I have that. Think of it as a guardian angel. Think of it as somebody that you love that's still keeping an eye on things. And when you look around you and you think about the imagery or the messaging that you expect from them, you know, what was their favorite bird? What was their favorite animal? What was their favorite thing to eat? What was your favorite? What was their favorite scent? Like there's been times where I'll smell my grandmother's perfume, which has been, I don't think they even make it anymore. And I'm in a mall or I'm in a park outside or something. And I know that's just a little, Hey, checking in on you, like kind of thing. Right. Like our guides will do that too, or it's dreams or it's trance or it's meditation. You know, if, if we reach out to them, they'll reach out back and we don't have to do much to reach out. Like, I think just simply thinking, I just really wish I knew my guides is going to lead to an interaction. That's going to help you build that. Cause it's a, it's like a lifetime thing. Like my it impression is a, yeah, of my guides it, it changes. is going to keep changing. Yeah. Well, I like that you said that actually, because, um, the intention behind it, I mean, just saying, Hey, like I have this intention. I really want to get to know my guides and start looking for those signs, ask for signs. I mean, cause I think, um, I hear a lot. I don't see visuals. Like say you said, you see things, right. I mostly hear, um, if I'm in the Akashic records, I might see something, but mostly I hear it because everyone has a different way to connect. Um, yeah. But for me, and it's not seeing and, in like a full body apparition. It's seeing in like my mind's eye. Right. Like I yeah, know what exactly. she's coming as in my head. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a feeling or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do think it's different for everyone too. And like when and how they come to it is really based on where they are in their journey. So it's not like yeah. if you're not working with spirit guides and you want to, you're not behind. There's no behind. There's, no, you know, it's nothing like not. that. And some people just kind of start with even like you said, like you look for signs in nature or you looking for angel numbers, not looking for angel numbers, but you're seeing angel numbers or like you start to really like for me, like I would see coyotes all the time during certain times of my life. Mm. Now it's my animal guides have kind of switched um, my nature guides, if you will. But yeah, I'd see a coyote be like, oh, yes, I see a coyote. Like, yes, that's that's amazing. You know, I'd, like that was like a big sign for me many years yeah. ago. And um I still love seeing them though, because it's kind of like a nice reminder, but yeah, it's like nostalgic. Then, yeah, exactly. I'm like, Oh, remember when that, like I worked with the coyote energy a lot or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mostly get in touch with my guides. Now I kind of tap in, like I used to have people read my Akashic records for me and do you know what the Akashic records are? Because maybe people, okay. <laughs> I was like, people yeah. can Google it, but yes. Yeah, I define it if you want, because I think like it is such a vast concept that people mention more than they discuss, if that makes sense. I, I have a really hard time defining it because basically I look at it as like the records of your past, present, future, all your lives, everything in this place. But like it's a place where also like there's the the record like lords and then there's your ancestors and, you know, teachers, loved ones can all be there. And just the spirit of light I mean it's everything I don't know how to explain it that's what you mean like you said if people mention it but don't talk about it yeah because yeah. it doesn't really make sense in my brain as a human 
Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> I have you seen the movie Interstellar? Yeah, ages ago. There's this part, like, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's the weirdest movie ever and so hard to explain. So, but there's this part, like, kind of towards the end ish where, like, he is in a different dimension. So, like, things take up less space than I each other. I know exactly and what you're talking about. That's how I see it. That's how I see the see, He can see his life at home or his daughter or something, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And he can even communicate. He like throws that book, but he can't right. literally pop up and be like, hello. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think, exactly. But she knew that was a sign, but she also could right. have ignored it like the other dude does. Like, that's exactly the Akashic Records to me is like just it's all knowledge. Like you can look up how many times you've actually listened to Danny California by the Red Hot Chili Peppers because I do wonder that a lot. I feel <laughs> like it's been ubiquitous in my life. But then I also wonder, you know, OK, how did I really die in that past life that I have these glimpses of? Like there is like right. so many layers of questions we can ask that are all there. It's just right. like you need the right filing system. Well, I mostly use it. Right now, yeah, right now I'm, I mostly use it personally just to get more deeper in touch with my guides and I can feel an energetic shift when I'm in it and more about like in the present moment. They're not, it's not a fortune telling, it's, and it's less, yeah. it's not like a psychic ability. It's less, it's not psychic. Um, it's just their pure knowledge and yeah. timelines shift and change. But like, I kind of go in there and I get, I get grounded in there. I get healing in the Akashic Records and that's very visual. And then also I just kind of connect with them like, with what my next step is, right? If we're going intentionally, yeah. like I'm not saying in two years, what am I doing? I'm saying, what is my next step? Or with the program I just launched, I went in the records and I said to them, like, I'm not creative. I can't create anything. And they were like, you're hilarious. And I literally like <laughs> created it right then in the records. They were like, you're so funny, Kelly. And they had me handwriting this thing that I created <laughs> with them. Right. And it, I was like, can I stop now? They're, I'm like, on day eight. Can I stop now? Nope. You need to keep going. And I'm like, okay, fine. And it's, you know, and so it's funny because sometimes people are like that. Like, if it's not a fuck, yes, it's a no, which I get, I get that. But sometimes I'm like, I'm being guided to do something and it's not clear. It's definitely not uh yeah, let's do this. It's a, I don't understand. And yet I'm going to be intentional about it and I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And then it usually, it always leads somewhere great. Right. So, or it gives me a great lesson. Um, yeah. But that's kind of how I connect with my guides now. And I think there's so many different ways. I have a friend who intentionally said to his, his guides, like, I want four, five, six number to be like a message from you that I know like you're with me when I see that number. He set that up, right? So I think yeah. there's so many ways to connect or even like free writing, um, just journaling until all of a sudden it, your handwriting changes or there's no yeah. right or wrong way to do it. Um, but I do think like if you are a witch, for example, like reclaiming that, like I was afraid of that word too. I did not want to call myself a witch. I was a healer, yeah. energy healer. And then I read the book, Witch, and I was like, yep. oh, <laughs> Kelly, you got to reclaim this word. And then it became so much more powerful. Yeah. And at the know. same time, like I, I agree with that completely. And I encourage people to reclaim the identity that they know fits them. But at the same time, I've noticed without setting out to do this, a lot of the people that I work with actually reject a label at all. Like they're like, I could be considered a witch. I could be considered a pagan because I work with multiple deities. I could be considered, you know, religious, but 
I don't want to be any of those. So I guess I'll just be spiritual because I don't want the label to like inhibit or distract or diminish the experience. Cause I think there's sometimes this pressure to live up to a label Uh, that can hit. Yeah. And then there's the pressure to not reject that label. So like as a witch, for example, I've read a lot of texts outside of my quote unquote religion. Like I love Rumi's poetry and he was a Muslim poet. I love going to old churches, like cathedrals from hundreds of years ago and appreciating the art from that. And I can go through this syncreticism of that and say, oh yeah, but that's because a lot of the Christian saints were pagan women anyway, or something. But also there's just this divinity. Like there's just this spiritual place that people who get it, get it. People who are on the path can come to it from anywhere and it's going to always look different even if we're both witches it's still going to look different and that's that's like what I really try to empower people to is like don't get hung up on the label if you're really not comfortable you don't have to ever be out of a broom closet you don't you definitely don't have to be out of a broom closet publicly in an Instagram bio or something like that's the distraction that's the earthly stuff that we don't that's the human ego yeah and I guess I didn't mean like that yeah because we want to be witch yeah exactly it's just like for me it was no really of course yeah but yeah what's empowering for someone else is going to be totally different because I was like I need to reclaim this even yeah. though I don't want to but for me it was really powerful and I so I think yeah. that's more like just coming back to reclaiming who you are and however you want to do that because we've been taught all these yes. things like you said since yes. birth that go against who we are that don't make sense or that are telling us we need to stay in America and get a nine to five that we don't want. And some, for some people they do, but some people that's their path. That's their real path, but others it's not, you know? And for me, it was witch and for some it's not, you know, and and I've kind of been Mm -hmm. a healer in many lives. So I think it's makes sense, (laughs) but I think any way you reclaim yourself is the, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's also what the Akashic Records can help us with, with this past life healing. Like there are so many people who, you know, suffer claustrophobia and they don't personally right now have a reason for that. And they can go back into a past life and understand, oh shoot, I died in a landslide. You know, like, I think there's a lot of people who think of past lives as these, this like, oh, I wonder if I was important or cool or interesting or, (laughs) you know, like that's not really like the best like I don't know it is cool to find that stuff out but the elements of my past lives that I've gotten are enough to know there were a lot like I always joke that I might be serious that this is my last turn around the sun like I think I'm done after this one um but also what I've learned isn't anything specific it's what those people went through right Exactly. But and we can, we take those overcame. lessons into our, yeah, into our next lives. And also sometimes we take the stuff we didn't learn to be relearned. So it's, yeah, it's, and I guess too, like, yeah. I know that you've been really, it sounds like you've been connected. I don't know. It sounds like you've been connected from a young age to your spirit guides, but, yeah. um, and I think probably a lot of us are, and then it kind of gets stamped out really easily. Yes, I think but, so too. But I mean, I, wasn't as connected to these things. And I just, I was kind of later on, I was definitely not spiritual, religious or anything like that 
in my early 20s. And then as I got older, I'm like, no, I, you know, I believe in manifestation, don't really know much about it. Oh, I'm like, I'm spiritual, I guess. I believe in ghosts. Like, oh, now I'm talking to the universe. Now I'm getting energy healing. Oh, I love acupuncture, like all these things and modalities. And yeah. eventually it kind of led me to being like, okay, if I can literally feel remote energy work on me, right? If I can see my cat is getting healing from this remote energy work, if I am working with this, that, and the other thing, or like, I mean, I was doing all the things. I even had like an altar like 10 years ago, but I didn't really know why or what I was doing. I just knew it was a place I wanted to be. But I also felt really uncomfortable about it. Like here I have this altar and my husband, what does he think? He didn't care at all. But like, you know, it's just the ego. And so it's all about the more we heal those traumas, which I'm sure we both do in our practices, we help people heal those traumas, those emotions that are trapped then they can really start to reclaim who they are, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, And that either the drive to fit into the box, whatever the box is, the box, witch, the box, pagan, the box, spiritual box, religious, whatever that box is, we either realize how we already have been fitting into it this whole time anyway, you know, like you have your altar (laughs) and you're like, Oh, I already did reclaim this. I just didn't, you know, write it down or something or it makes us realize like, forget it. I actually don't need the label at all. Like, I think that's like the two ways it goes. And yeah, it's interesting that we really can get so hung up on that. And I think that's where we can even distract ourselves with intention. It's like, well, my intention is to be a witch. What's a witch? You know, like we can debate that for whatever you say it is. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So then, then you're back to Hmm, crap, how do I set actionable goals for that? You know? <laughs> well, and there are so many, like in the witch, I remember like when I first was like, I'm a witch, you know. Um, I have a friend who's also was kind of like reclaiming that, but I saw them getting stuck because they were so afraid of doing it wrong or of hurting someone or anything oh, yeah, like that. And I'm there. like, I was like, oh, I was like, you are like just do it with the highest intention, you know, for the good of all. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, you can't get it wrong, but it's that perfectionism. And so it's like, it's hard to reclaim who we are when we're stuck in perfectionism and people pleasing and whatever our stuff is. Mm -hmm. And the imposter syndrome. Yes. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Even when I was invited by Leandra to start this podcast, she was like, you know, you're one of the best like witches I've met, blah, blah, something like just generic compliment that was very sweet. And I was like, in my head, I was like, people see me as a witch. I met her at a public ritual, obviously (laughs) as a witch, like there was such a deep imposter syndrome. Like, oh my gosh, what if she finds out? I'm like, not that good. Like, and I, that was a huge consultation with my guides to be like, they're like, I'm not what you just said. Excuse me. You've been doing this for eight (laughs) years at that point. Now it's over a decade. (laughs) Well, no, and you're like, what if they find out I'm not good? And then, then I go, oh no, Kelly, do you think that you're not good enough? Like I take it off of whatever I'm projecting it on. And I'm like, oh, I have this belief I need to heal. And so it just keeps kind of coming round and round. And like, just because we've been doing this work, it doesn't mean we don't have stuff that still comes up to be healed all the Mm -hmm. time. Especially being so connected to your guides because they're like, actually, here's a lesson. Here's a lesson. Here's a lesson. Here's a lesson. Yeah. For real. The shadow never goes away. It just gets more familiar. Yeah, exactly. You kind of embody it. And it's working with my guides has been great because what my ego would tell me something was like, oh, you're having anxiety. Oh, it's about this. 
And I'm like, guides, mm. is it really about this? And then they'll be like, actually, it's this. And for some of my like, mind blown, that makes so much sense, way more, because I was so confused why it was that, that my ego was like, no, we have a hang up about this, you know? And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the clarity yes. that can come. Yeah. From it. And I think that's, so in my, in my like coaching, in my community, I have this term for the energy compass. And it basically rejects that we have a gut feeling. So the gut feeling is, it's like the visceral response. It's that first instinct that "Mm, I don't trust this. I don't like this. But then our energy compass is this connection of our heart, our heart chakra, our emotional center, and our intuitive center, our third eye. And when we connect those and we notice physical responses, you know, does my heart race at this? Is that because... I love it or because I'm afraid of it or because it's threatening to me is, you know, my, my hands clamming up. That could be the same thing. Or the energy compass is going to go in the other way as well. Like when you have a really energizing conversation, you know, you hang up the phone with somebody and you're like, you know what, I'm going to get that painting back out. You know, that's the energy compass, you know, spinning in the right direction, but our gut might say, you know, I just had a really energizing conversation with that person. What if they didn't really like me? What if it wasn't energizing for them? Like our gut might say that didn't go well, or that was a scary thing because the gut is more driven by the ego. That's the part of us. That's like, what's safe, what's comfortable, what's familiar, but the energy compass is like, "Hmm, I like this. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard it explained that way. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my thing that my guides came up with for me. Like when I was writing, um, my first course, like, I was like, how do I explain to people that like your gut's wrong? (laughs) And they were like, well, (laughs) they have to calibrate their energy better. And I was like, yeah, like with a compass. And they're like, yeah, an energy compass. And I'm like, that's it. it. Like it was like, this. see, it's so funny. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I think, I think the body is so powerful too, like in kind of gauging, you know, where we are and, um, I use it for us sometimes. It does. Yeah. And I do a lot of muscle testing. So like, that's another way I kind of connect, like doing muscle testing, like yes or no. The emotion code is a really good book. If anyone's interested in learning more about muscle testing, but, um, for my healing, you know, muscle testing, like, do I want this? Do I want that? Cause sometimes for me, like the body it's reacting to the ego. Like you said, it's reacting to the mind. If the mind's going, you can cause a trauma, re-traumatize yourself over and over again if you keep rethinking about the trauma event. Yeah. But yeah. you can Which also is not clear it. To healing. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I know I always tell people about the 90 second rule. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think so. It's like, I don't know a ton about it, but I think about it now a lot. I learned it in a, um, a trauma, like a coach, trauma aware coaching course, but mm. it's like your body if you have a response, right? Like if you said something right now and I was hurt by it, my body would react with emotional chemical response Mm. within 90 seconds, those chemicals start to dissipate. However, if, so if I'm choosing to stay upset, I'm choosing it. My body is no longer responding. And yet if I can keep, if I keep thinking about it, I can keep re-giving myself that hormones, like the, you know, the, whatever the chemical response is the cortisol yeah. or whatever else, um, I can flood my body with that. And that's why then we're like crying on the floor for three hours. And you know what? Sometimes we need to cry on the floor for three hours to get whatever we want out, but we're just re 
introducing that chemical response over and over and over again. And I was like, this yeah. is so fascinating. Like, I don't know yes. why we're not taught this in schools because it, if I would get upset, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to stop. And how you, how you work through it is like initial response. And then you stop your body and you just start paying attention to what's around you. And it helps you to mm-hmm. get out of that ego mind and that chemical response. So you can make choices then after that 90 seconds, much clearer. Uh, yeah. Um, it's a little off topic. That's interesting. But I just- <laughs> no, not at all. That's interesting because part of that's actually part of my intentional living practice is to stay present in moments that I don't necessarily want to be in not toxic, horrible, scary ones, but like vacuuming, doing the dishes, hanging laundry. Yeah. Discomfort and boredom and annoyance. And like what I'll do to try and stay present in that is look around, take in my surroundings, listen, smell, breathe deep. Yeah. And it keeps me present. And then I end up usually thinking on something that like, I think I hit that like fade waves thing where like on the, the mundane tasks where I start, you know, getting ideas for, for something I want to write or getting ideas for a, a new offer I can come up with for people or a new episode title for the podcast. Like, I think that's what, what we miss. Like there's, there's the spiritual component to intentional living. And then there's the scientific component. Like it's also connected. Like there's no it is mutual exclusiveness. Yep. And that's, I love in one of the courses I took, um, which was really life-changing for me. She teaches like the, um, like the spiritual part of manifestation, the scientific part of manifestation, the psychological Ooh. part of manifestation. So it, it gives everyone, cause like, I'm not really scientific right? Like, I mean, I found that 90 second rule really interesting, but that's not, I believe it because I believe it. I don't need the science, but some people really do need the science. Mm-hmm. And so it's just reaching different people in that way, which I love. Yeah. And, you kind of hit on a good note though boredom is really where we can get a lot of ideas and connect with our guides and so if we're running around or our intuition just like connecting with our inner deep inner knowing if we're just running around crazy getting all the stuff done ticking off all the boxes creating a crazy life for ourselves it is actually really from my my opinion really hard to get in touch with your intuition and your spirit guides and the more we ignore those Mm -hmm. things then we've got some more of a practice of getting it you know back yeah and productivity is important. Like it definitely is. It's not something we should devalue, but maybe we could devalue it like a, like a little bit. Like I think the Western idea of like, you're here to be productive is so toxic to everything that we want to do because, okay, let's say your to-do list is five items long for today. You have to do those five things. Maybe you can go through them with an intentional mindset and say, okay, is the result from this going to be what I want and go through each like that. And then maybe you're left with three items. And then if each of those three items you think is going to take you an hour each, instead of saying those are three lost hours, those are three hours towards the thing you want. So instead of rushing through them and hoping you can finish it early and then you can maybe enjoy yourself, it's okay. Well, I'm going to be hanging my laundry and it's a really nice day and the birds are singing and oh that reminds me my grandmother loved hummingbirds I haven't seen one yet this year you know like it's so crazy how fast that that shift happens like so fast it's amazing it's so yeah and we can really heal our mindsets that way and then also though why don't we just rewrite what productivity means for me laying in my bed and connecting with the liminal spaces is super productive, even for my business, right? Mm, Connecting with my guys is productive. 
literally sitting and staring at a wall is productive because I'm becoming more aware. I'm becoming bored. So I'm getting more ideas. So it's kind of shifting that like hustle culture almost like productivity. is not hustle culture. Sleeping 12 hours a night could be really productive at certain times in my life. You know, like for real though, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Because like, okay. I, to feel productive in a day, I, I'm a writer. So like, if I don't write, even if it's to just write my journal, which is like a single page entry thing that I like realized is best for my mental health to do each day, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon or night, if I don't write, I won't feel productive that day. Even if I've, you know, checked the boxes, like that's something that I need to feel productive. And then I know that reading is something that makes me feel great. I love it. It's like my favorite self-care. So I have tried to like rework what productive means to like include, I read today. Like if I've read my book today, even if it's that has like, I've been able to program that to equal productivity, even though productivity can be a toxic concept. It's it's this one way I've been able to kind of trick my brain into being like, Hey, you were productive today. You read two chapters, you know? Right. Well, and, and then know, I can I enjoy too, it. And I think that comes it, yeah. from my anxiety too. I need to like trick myself more than others might, but. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause we're all so different. So we all have, you know, a different way we come to things or approach things or shift our mindset. Cause sometimes for me, like if it's, you know, day before my period, I'm like, I'm laying in bed and I'm just going to drink tea and I'm going to watch TV all day. And then I've recognized these patterns intentionally being like, oh, interesting. I, I actually watch more TV when I'm like in this kind of weird space. And what would it be like if I took some time away from TV? Like, what could I learn in this space? Or also it's okay. I can give myself grace and be like, look, I need to take space away from what I feel this like darkness right now. I'm going to take this intentional space knowing what I'm doing. Right. I'm not just like blindly mm, watching yeah. the TV 12 hours a day. Right. I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to take the next two hours. Cause I just, I was really upset. I'm going to take two hours, use my, this TV time as like my space away. And then I can come back to it, which mm, kind of ties yeah. back into that intentionality. Like it's really about awareness of our patterns. Like yep. you're saying when I read every day, I feel really good. So I want to read every day that that's like really healthy for me. That feels really good for me. Um, and other people, that might be something else. If I sit on my deck every day and drink tea, that may feel really good for me or, you know, like whatever that looks like for anyone. Yeah. So it's like, and then being intentional. And then also knowing if you miss a day, like, great, you miss a day. Like, who cares? It's life, you know, like. Yes, exactly. That's where I think it can get really bad. Like I'll have things on my to-do list that before, like five, six, seven years ago, especially in, in college a while ago, I used to really feel like, okay, if I don't check everything off of my to-do list, like today was a loss. And I've instead learned to like, and for me, that meant physically moving things to my next list. Like I actually use lists like a crazy person. Like I don't think lists necessarily work for everybody, (laughs) but if I could move it, if I could convince myself that it's okay to move it, like it's not, not going to get done. Like that was my first step into like harnessing that productivity anxiety. And now I'm at a point where I don't even have to write my list often. If I do, it's because I just have so much going on and it's like, you know, things are coming up in a week or more. And so I need to literally have that physical reminder. Um, But yeah, it's that reminder of like the purpose. Like when you live intentionally, everything comes back to that, that greater purpose. And then things that are self-care start to be productive, quote unquote, because they're feeding that greater purpose. And self-care is like so misconceived 
in popular culture as this like damage control thing of like, oh, just shoehorn a bubble bath into your Saturday night if you have time, maybe. And you're totally fine now for like a month. Yeah, you're good now. (laughs) Like that's what you needed. I used to work with this woman who was in her 60s and she'd lived a really good life. And she used to work at this New York department store that, you know, she was like this big head honcho at. And I knew her at this really tiny retail store. And some of the advice she'd give me on life was really interesting because she had a really poor idea of self-care in one hand. Like she would say like, I just go, go, go. She had a New York accent that I can't imitate, but just picture it in that. I would just go, go, go all day, all night. I'd be setting up displays for the front window at three in the morning. And then I'd be back inside at nine, full face of makeup, four inch heels. And she's like, but then once every two months, I'd take a vegetable day. I would do nothing. I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't watch TV even. It would just be on and quiet in the background. And I would just lay there. And that's self-care, honey. And I was like, that's not self-care. That is not self-care. And at the same time, like as she's an old woman, she would tell me about what she does with her days. She's like, I do my six hours a week here at the store. And, you know, then I go home and, you know, there's these two kittens in the garden. So I think I'm going to keep them in the house now. And like, she just had this adorable life of like, you know, making her own fresh tea and like tending her perennials and picking them out each year. And like, I was just like, but she did figure it out. And like, that always gave me a lot of hope because I was in the like spinning my wheels part of my life. And I was like, so there's an end to this. But then I've since realized I don't have to wait to do that. Like that yeah. can actually just- I know, yeah, now. you can choose. <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah. One of the things I think too that's misconstrued about self-care is like that it feels good. I'm sorry, but a lot of my self-care did not feel good. A lot of my self-care is journaling. It's limiting belief releasing. It's facing the shadows so I can have a more whole life. I mean, for me, yeah, self-care is like, wow, I feel really tired. I'm going to take a bath because right, I know for me, water can invigorate me. Yeah. Or like I, you know, self-care can look different during any time in my cycle. And I think there's not like a one size fits all. But yeah, when mm-hmm. you're telling me, when I see people doing like what she was doing when she was younger, I like a little part of me on the inside is like crying probably my inner child is like oh no is that gonna happen to us like I don't want that I've never wanted that and I've never had that in that way um thank goodness because it never appealed never appealed it scares me I did in college I would say you're right I would say for me in high school and college I felt like I had to do all the things um, yeah. And I had to be the perfect constant pressure. Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, that perfectionism piece people, even within self-care, Oh, I got to get self-care. Perfect. Actually. No, you don't. You just need to do it. If you get in the bath yes. and you're in there for five minutes and it sucks and you're like, why am I doing this? Cool. You learn something there, right? Like if you're yep, journaling, exactly. you're like, this doesn't feel good. Like, but I want to keep going. Keep going and find support. I always tell people that like it's self-help, but you don't have to do it alone. It's not meant to be done alone. Um, yeah. But, and it's all about that intentional living again. It, everything really does come back to like, why are you doing it? Yeah. Are you working from eight to 10 PM and then coming back with a full face of makeup on the next day because you like that and that's really intentional for you? Or is that because that's what you thought you had to do? Yeah. And there's even a misconception between, like you said, like self-care doesn't have to feel good. 
being toxic also might feel good. Like there might be a gratification that comes with knowing you can do it all, but that surface (laughs) level feel good is like not still not feeling good. Like actually, if we start reflecting, you know, our, our hair is falling out or something like there's going to be physical and mental manifestations that we're just covering up. And the hair falling out thing is so true. I mean, I've seen it. I've even had my hair fall out during times of stress, like, but people don't associate. They're not connected to their body. I think that's Mm -hmm. so, I mean, a huge part of self-care I think is getting that connection with your body. Yeah. Um, And like spiritually, a lot of people are like, oh, we're just, which is true. Like we're just light beings in this body and this isn't really who we are. That's true. But your body is still who you are. Like, it's like a Venn diagram, like body and self overlap. They're just not exclusively the same thing. Like even the way somebody looks, I feel like is affected by how they act and what they feel like, like our bodies aren't us, but they tell us a lot about us and and they're a huge part of our journey so exactly exactly like if we if if we believe in past lives and we believe we choose these lives I believe I chose this body so I chose you know some of the health issues I was gonna have because they're they're lessons you know and I but at the same point it's like we don't have to stay stuck like the physical body if we didn't have it well first of all what be the point we're supposed to be here to be human like you know we have to have a body but um it's an indicator, right? Like you're yeah. saying, if your hair is falling out, there's an indication there that something's not working. Um, you know, and it could also just be like, again, it could be something else too, but like, look at your life intentionally. Is it what you want? Yeah. Yeah. Dissociation was my biggest indicator for me when I was in that place. Like I graduated college and became an English teacher and a theater teacher and a theater director after school. And I was only like two to three years older than most of my students. And it just was so stressful and overwhelming that I, without even realizing it, was dissociating permanently 24 seven. I would look at my Instagram posts from that year later and be like, I I don't recall being there. Like, I know I was like, there's a memory of I saw that show or whatever, but it was really, really bad. Like, I remember about a year and a half into this walking into the bathroom and washing my hands after going to the bathroom. And I look up in the mirror and I jumped because I didn't remember what I looked like. It genuinely freaked me out. And that was when I was like, I need, I need to stop. Like I'm working 80 to 90 hours a week, like weekends and everything with theater. And that's when I decided to stop. And that's, but it took me two more years because you know, that's what the journey is. Like once COVID hit, it was the best break in the world for me, to be honest. I didn't have to go into the school anymore. We couldn't do after-school programs. And then I set those foundations and I worked there another year and a half, but I stopped associating. Like I consciously was like, all right, I'm going to be a bare minimum teacher, which for me still meant showing up for the kids, but it also meant I didn't have to do so many other things because of COVID. Like the kids were what came first all the administrative bureaucracy that was stressing me out came not even second, like 200th at that point. (laughs) Like I really just released a lot of the pointless stuff and that got better and better. And I think dissociation is a really common one for people where Mm -hmm. they don't even realize how unintentionally they're living because they don't even realize who they are. Like it's so damaging, like to not recognize yourself in the mirror. I said, I've told that story to people before and they're like, yeah what do you mean 
And I'm like, you're supposed to know who you are. Like, you're not supposed to genuinely be like, who the heck is that? Who's behind me? Oh, wait, that's me. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, so so much of that comes from, I think, childhood programming. Exactly. It's so normalized. It's like, just do it because you have to until you retire. And that's what life is. And like, I'm like, but you can enjoy life. That's really what life is. You're here to be you and have fun. And yeah, we're humans. We're going to be sad. We're going to have pain. We're going to have grief. It's not hiding from that, but it's integrating it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's and integrating it is all intentions. It it really like, if you want to live a life you want, like a look at where you are, be really brutally honest with yourself. Is that what you want? And if it's not, what are the steps? which I would love to know what your um, kind of advice like assistance would be in helping people kind of get into this intentional living if that if they're not there yet or like they want to deepen it. Yeah, Um, I think to get into intentional living from a spiritual mindset, the first advice I could give you is to start and end your day in sacred space. So if you're a witch or a spiritual person that has a space in your home for that, like an altar, take at least three seconds, put your hands to it and breathe a few deep breaths. That's all that means. If you're not, and you just have the idea of like spiritual connection to, you know, an icon, if you're a Christian or a outdoor space, if you're, you know, connected in that way, it doesn't have to be anything bold. It literally just means taking a few deep breaths, looking around you listening, smelling, breathing, and that's it. Do that at the beginning and the end of your day. That's like my first advice, because you will get, even if it's three seconds, you will start getting bursts of clarity throughout that whole day. And then you're soon going to find you want to extend that. So maybe instead of just showing up there, you're going to light a candle or you're going to light some incense, or you're going to sit and meditate, or, you know, on your drive into work, you're actually going to play you know, singing bowls or something that's going to get you in that space because your body's going to start to want to, your mind's going to start to want to, your intuition's going to start pulling you to. If you're less concerned about spirituality and you just want intention, I think there's two questions you can ask yourself about every decision from what kind of coffee do I want to, should I quit my job? I think the only two questions you need to ask are, why am I doing this? Do I want the result that doing this will lead to. So if those aren't clear and easy and yeses, then don't do it. I love it. I feel like we could talk for so long, um, but I would love, (laughs) I know we have to wrap it up (laughs) soon. I would would love for you to just kind of tell people where they can find you. I'm going to link everything in the show notes, um, but just like what kind of what your current offerings are and where they can find you you hang out sure uh so you can find me on instagram and facebook at seeking numina and you can also find me on seeking the magic kitchen podcast is anywhere you listen to podcasts i have a youtube channel also called seeking numina and um my courses are on caridwin's grove so all of that is on my website and then i'm constantly writing and publishing articles and poetry and i'm working on publishing some books so all of that's on all my social as it happens. Cause you know how it goes. We're following the yep. path. Who knows? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Head over to Instagram and give her a follow there. Um, yeah. Happy to oh see my you gosh. there. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, I'm just really grateful for this conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Me too. I really 
have been looking forward to it all day. Like I, all day, I've been really looking forward to it all week, really. So I'm so glad that it went so well. And I'm looking forward to seeing you around the internet forever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today. I would love to know your takeaways from today's episode. You can connect with me more on Instagram at Nourishing Place or on my website, anourishingplace.com. Many blessings to you all, wherever you are at on your journey. 